Hey listeners, my name is Elisha, the founder of the Witnesses Podcast. It's so beautiful to have you listening to our podcast. And I want you to know something that that means a whole lot to me. Thank you for tuning in. And one thing I love to tell all of our listeners is, it's not just about you listening, but listening to understand. Understanding is the most important thing. So important. So, you have to listen, learn, and practice. Thank you so very much and happy listening. Hi, Michael. It's so nice to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Oh, very good. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That's so good. Okay, you know, oftentimes I love to talk about the essence of this show, which is to invite amazing guests, you know, amazing guests like Michael to come talk to us about their triumphant stories. Because we believe that in our audience, there might be someone who is talked up in a situation that Michael came out of triumphantly. So by that person listening to you speak, he or she might actually pick an information that will lead to their transformation. So Michael, within the next few minutes, let us get started with your story, um, the challenges that you faced, and how you overcame them. And afterwards, I've got some really beautiful questions for you. Okay, Michael, over to you. Perfect. Yeah, so the, the amazing part all starts out with what God did with my parents. And when we go way back, it's my dad was a drug smuggler. My mom was uh, into witchcraft, so she called herself a white witch. And really what happened at that point in time was both of them, God was working behind the scenes in their lives. So my dad ended up uh, hearing the audible voice of God walking across the parking lot. And he also had a miraculous story where God intervened and he said to God, he said, if you rescue me from this, if you're real and you rescue me, I'll do everything, give my life to you. And meanwhile, my mom, she was uh, meeting up with some Christians and they were just having dinner together there from my preschool. And they said, you should meditate on the blood of Jesus. You like to meditate? Meditate on the blood of Jesus. And she did. And she said, that when she did, she felt a power course through her that was unlike anything she'd ever experienced. So my parents have about this, these stories a few months apart from each other, but they really don't know anything about Christianity. Now, let me just pause right there. So I was about four or five when all this happened, and my, my sister was a couple years older than me. And while my parents didn't go on to have perfect life, <laughs> they, they made plenty of mistakes, as parents do. At the same time, my sister and I have said to ourselves, what would have happened to our lives had they not encountered Jesus? You know, I mean, our parents were great in so many different ways, but there's many different areas that they struggled in. But what if they had it? I mean, if my parents got to hear because of the transformation of giving their life to Christ, if they hadn't done that, there's no way that they would have stayed together that long. There's no way that a lot of the things would have happened. I mean, we would have, our lives would have been really a train wreck. And so it was really amazing that God saved their lives. And so here's my encouragement to always when I just stop right here and just say the choices that we make change not only our lives, but they also change the lives of those that we leave behind, that our decisions change the destinies of our descendants. And really, their decision changed the destiny of their descendants, my sister and I. So they came to Christ. They raised us in just a small little town in the United States. We had a good childhood, good upbringing. And then we went to 
uh, Mexico when we were 10, my dad came home and said, I quit my job, we're moving to Mexico, we're going to become missionaries. So, yeah, it was quite abrupt and sudden. So then we worked on the outskirts of Mazalan, Mexico. So if you're familiar with El Chapo, he comes from Mazalan. He would have been growing his cartel at the time that we were there working in the outskirts and working amongst the poor. So I got to see that part of it. My dad then also took a <laughs> this long story. He ended up as a lawyer. And so he's working as a lawyer in Mexico part-time and then doing missionary the other part of the time. And then we're growing up in that environment. Uh, then at about 17, 18, and maybe a lot of you can relate to me. You've been raised in a faith and now you're wondering, is it my faith? And all the way up to this point in time, I'm like, yeah, it's my faith. But now I'm 17, 18, I'm kind of struggling, wondering, yeah, I believe it. But at the same time, do I want to follow it? Do I want to give into it? And really at that point in time, I took about one week time and said, am I in or am I not in? And after about one week, I said, I'm in. I decided to give up uh, video games, give up TV, give up dating for six months and just dive in into discipleship. And that was probably one of the biggest decisions I made in my life. Dive in and then really go for discipleship. Memorize Bible verses, read the Bible every day, pray fast, dive in, not be distracted by all these different things. And really those six months set a course for my life where I ended up going into ministry. And then there's lots more stories to tell from there, but let me go ahead and pause right there. Um, you know, wow, amazing. Okay, so let us um, begin with the questions. All right, are you ready? Okay, so. I'm ready. All right, so how do you move from um, drug smuggling routes to global missions? That's me wanting you to emphasize more and talk more about, get it? From drug smuggling yeah. routes to global missions. Yeah. Yeah, so right now, I mean, what you're getting at is that I'm the executive director of an organization called Go On The Mission. So it's just okay. goonthemission.com. And we really focus on raising kids out of poverty around the world by education, nutrition, and then the hope of Jesus. So how do we go from there? And really, going back to that decision where my dad is in Hawaii, and he said, God, if you rescue me, if you're real, and if you rescue me, I'll do anything for you. He just put out there anything. And he's the type of guy who's going to follow through with a commitment. Mm. So then God rescued him and he dove in. And really, if you think about in the book of Joshua, where Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, and It was kind of like a, in some ways, my dad may have done it a little bit too authoritarian. Mm. But at the same time, he said, that's what we're going to do. We're going to dive in. Yeah. So we started doing soup kitchens in Seattle. We, My dad got very involved in the church the board of the church, uh, my mom would take us to nursing homes. So we had this life of mission, this life of, hey, it's not about you. This this life of generosity, this life of let's go serve, this life of not not about building a big riches for ourselves, but really finding a mission and serving. Uh, so from a young age, as soon as my parents made that decision, that decision changed my destiny. And we went to China. We smuggled Bibles into China in like 1985. And we went to Philippines, we went to Korea, Hong Kong, uh, Taiwan, um, Japan, and we just did mission work. So some of my earliest memories are doing that. So how did we go from there? It's that decision that was made 
It's the decision also to lead the family that way. And then they put that into the culture of our family. So we didn't do travel sports because we didn't miss Sunday. We went down to Mexico and we helped out on Saturdays while everybody else was doing other things on Saturday. We would wake up early in the morning and go to the mission and we would participate in a mission and do that. And then later on, when when I was making that decision, it was like really, really determined by family. So now when I look at my own life, I go, what am I, what am I going to be about? And there's been periods of time in my life where it's like, hey, let's, let's accumulate more stuff. Let's have a nice, nicer this, nicer, nicer that. And all of us have those, those propensities to just want comfort for ourselves. And yet at the same time, even as that was going on in my life and building up um, a coaching, speaking, uh, building up a business, there was a sense of like, God, I want to do something that, that is more eternal than just something that's temporary. And in that, I prayed, God, I would love to be part of something like, like what Go on the Mission is doing. And they called me up and said, "This, you know, our our executive director is retiring. And would you be interested?" So it's amazing. Just as God was preparing my heart for it, the opportunity became available. And now, what I get to do is I get to tell people stories. I get to write books about this. I get to go on podcasts and share the stories. And, and really encourage people. And here's a whole huge thing I found is when we get, when we get so wrapped up in ourselves, think about it. When we get all of our attention on us, when we get so wrapped up in ourselves, we make a very small package. But when we turn the arrows of our heart out and when we think, how can I serve? How can I help? How can I be selfless? How can I, how can I give and sponsor? How can I do this and that and this? that really that giving away ends up making our lives so much more full. So how did I go from here to here? Decisions, really purposeful decisions, then the culture of selflessness, the culture of serving, and then really finding that it's better to give than to receive. I love that. I really love that. Okay, the second question, Michael. All right. So as someone who has written almost 20 books, can you describe your writing process and how you balance it with other commitments? Got that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so about five years ago, I started writing books and some of them are workbooks and those are easier to write, but several of them are just full on books. And just recently I wrote and published kind of a small book. It's only about 6,000 words. So the small book and it's called Life on Purpose by Michael Acker. And then I have several of my coaching books under Mike Acker. But if you went to Amazon, you could find Life on Purpose by Michael Acker. And that book right there, as soon as I took this role, I decided I was going to do exactly what for others what others had helped me do when I was about 18 and really deciding what am I about? And so what I did is I just set time aside every single day. And really for me, that's, that's where you write a book. Like this book behind me is um, a top bestseller on Amazon. It's called speak with no fear. And every single day I just wrote for an hour, hour, every single day. And it's amazing when you spend an hour every day and you make a commitment to write a thousand words every day, at the end of 30 days, you have a rough, rough draft. And then you spend the next month working on editing. 
So realistically, and then the next month on producing and publishing. So, so realistically, if you just wanted to do like zip through this, you could write a book and publish a book every three months. And I know people who've done that. And so that's how I do it. But really, at this point in time, I think I'm going to slow down a little bit on that because I'm really focused on the work of Go On The Mission. But even for you, everybody listening, if you want to pursue a life of going on the mission, we have um, all kinds of different resources. And if you go to michaelacker.com, you can go and, and find a place where you can get a free book. Or you can go to Amazon and look up Life on Purpose by Michael Acker and see. see it. Here's another encouragement. Your book doesn't have to be a masterpiece on the first one that you do. Several of the books are workbooks. And... And those are a different type of work, but they're still very valuable. Okay. All right. So the third one, your teaching focuses on things like destiny decisions and death to eternity. Could you elaborate on this concept for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So the destiny decisions is really about that one that my parents made, right, from my dad was a drug dealer. My mom was a witch. I became a pastor. And it's the decisions they've made that changed my destiny. The earth to eternity really comes from Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, do not store up for yourself treasures here. And really, there's a couple things that are happening. One, Jesus acknowledges that we are collectors, that we do like to acquire things. It's just part of actually how we're made. We like to, you know, I was in... um. I was in the slums of Kenya, Africa, and I saw a girl collecting bottle caps. Okay, so whether you're there or you're a billionaire collecting super yachts and big, huge cars, we're just collectors. We like to have stuff. We like to have different things. And, and that's not necessarily bad. But our hope and our desires can't be put on whatever it is because when we have stuff, then we can lose stuff, and that's where worry and anxiety comes from. So we have to hold whatever we have loosely in our hands and yet earth to eternity it's let's make sure that we're holding this really loose in our hands while we're holding on to the central truth of who jesus is and who we are in jesus and i made do i saved by grace i'm forgiven i have a purpose i have a mission i'm valued i'm cared for that's that's all in the closed hand let's let's hold on close to that but our other things out here, our skills, our desires, our hobbies, even our homes, let's lose, leave that in the open hand and offer that up to God. What's amazing is when you live that way, you you have a core conviction and you have less worry because the things that you could lose, you're less worried about losing. Also, with open hand, God's able to give you new gifts and new things, even as you are giving up other things. Beautiful. That's so correct. You know, that's such a beautiful mentality that you have. And I love it when um, people um, think this way. You know, I love that. Okay, so the second to the last question. Um, in what ways do you see your work with Go On The Mission evolving in the next few years? Yeah. When you look at the world, there's so much need. There's, there's so much need in the world. And it may, I mean, if you look at the distribution of wealth, it's 
insane to see that uh, some people have so much and other people have so little. So really over the next few years, we're, I look at the three different poverty breakers. What is going to take somebody out of abject poverty where they cannot, where, where they're stuck in a cycle and their kids are going to be stuck in a cycle? Three things contribute, food or nutrition. So having the right uh, health, if you're, if your health is poor or if you can't, if you can't feed yourselves, that's huge. Uh, education. So that's not just education in like math, but skills. So it could be learning mechanic or it could be learning a skill that gets you out of it, gives you a leg up in the world and then hope. So some people have nutrition. Some people have education, but they don't have hope. And some people give up on their education because they don't have hope and they need someone to believe in them and someone to say, look, you can do this. We've seen it with other people. We've seen it in ourselves. You you can break the cycle you're in, just like I broke the cycle with my family on breaking out of a total disaster route going forward with my mom and dad. You can break it. Now, maybe I've never been in abject poverty, and I haven't, but you can break whatever cycle it is, and you have to have that hope. If you don't believe you can, then you never will. And so you have to believe that you can. But the problem is some people's situations in this world are so dire. So I'm talking to a couple different potential partners in the future. Uh, there's a region in South India that we're in conversations with, and it's inland. It's kind of forgotten. It's not like, hey, this is a really cool place to go work in New Delhi. No, it's, it's a small, super impoverished, more farming area, and there's no hope. They can't break. But the person that we've been in conversation with about doing some work there, she has hope. She met Jesus. Her mom was a prostitute and she met Jesus and her adopted kind of foster parent introduced her to Jesus. And now she's married, she's having kids and she's trying to, with her family, bring hope through the area. And then we bring in nutrition, education, and those three things over the course of time can break that cycle. So what's the future work of Go on the Mission? We're looking at first making sure that people in the countries that have more and people who have more in countries that don't, bring them on board and saying, here, let's live with a missional mentality. Let's live with an open-handed mentality. Sure, go enjoy some of what you have. That's not bad or wrong, but make sure you're putting a lot of hands in your open, a lot in your open hand. And then... We want to be your trustworthy partners that you can give that through us so that we can sponsor kids in all kinds of different places in the world to make a difference. Right now, we're in five different major areas, and we want to be in more areas so that more kids can break the cycle of poverty. And here's what's amazing. When you sponsor, so for Go On The Mission, we do a sponsorship that's $39 per month, which is less expensive than a lot of other sponsorship programs. And when you sponsor through us, what we're doing is we're providing that hope, that education, and that nutrition. Now, when you sponsor one child, on average, that is changing the lives of 10 people around them. Yeah. So yeah. now that kid can go to school. Now that kid, we're buying a uniform for them. We're buying food for them. Well, guess what happens when you buy food for the one kid? It actually is often providing food for the entire family. And then those people are now buying from the local grocers and you're actually elevating the economy of a small little town in Senegal, West Africa, because of 
the work that you're doing. Not only that, they go on and they make a, they get all the way through the educational system and then they go on and with a passion to take care of their family. And so it changes the generations and that's what we're doing. So that's what we're working on. We're going to expand the work in the giving countries, the giving people, and then we're going to be expanding the work in the people who are receiving for the glory of God. Wow, Michael, you and your team are actually doing a great job. You know, you are impacting the world, not just um, delivering hope and that's all, but also education and health and nutrition. That's so beautiful, I tell you. And I'm so glad your the words you said last. You said, hold to the glory of God, I tell you. That's the motive, man. Well, okay, so in conclusion, Michael, let's say there's a piece of advice you'd like to give to the audience. Um, what would that be? And let's say there are some people listening and they would love to reach out to you or um, support, like um, sponsor and all of that. How can that be possible? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I would love to connect with you. You can find me at michaelacker.com or goonthemission.com. And I would love to connect with you right there. One of the hallmarks of my work before I went into really what I'm doing now, which is just mission and taking care of people. And then still I do some corporate training. One of my hallmarks is this. Where you are is not where you have to stay. And often what we do is we just feel stuck. You know, we've put on that extra 50 pounds and we feel stuck or we got stuck in our job and we can't progress or we're stuck in poverty and we can't progress or we're stuck in, in a relationship and we can't turn it around to the good. And my encouragement to you is where you are is not where you have to stay. Just because you're there right now, as you listen to this podcast, just as you're there right now in your mind or your heart, take the next step. You don't need to figure out the entire plan. You don't need to map out your entire journey. What's the next good thing that you can do? Is it simply waking up in the morning and saying 10 minutes of prayers or writing out a short prayer? Is it sponsoring a child? And now all of a sudden you're not just thinking about yourself and your own need, but you go to our website, go on the mission.com, you find a child that resonates with you. And now you're sponsoring. And now you're like, oh my gosh, I'm part of something bigger. Maybe that's it, but find a step. Maybe it's just saying, I forgive you, or saying I'm sorry to somebody, sending them a text message. What is your next step that moves you from where you are a little bit towards where you want to be? Beautiful. That's a very deep word, I tell you. Okay, so that's going to be the end of the show, Michael. Thank you so very much for having the invite. Thank you for coming. It means a whole lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Elijah. I really appreciate it. And to all of your listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. would love to hear from you through my website or through goonthemission.com. Beautiful. Thank you for tuning in to this incredible episode. Your support means the world to us, and we truly value you. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback is greatly appreciated.